This podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute legal, tax, investment, financial, or other advice. It is not intended to cause or induce breach of an existing agency agreement. The goal of this podcast since day one is to provide the best information on the Vancouver real estate market at no cost to you, the listeners. To that end, we'd like to thank the following sponsors. This podcast is sponsored by Marcon, a local family-owned and managed real estate development and construction company that's been around for nearly four decades. Marcon is not only committed to high-quality construction, but it also is making a positive impact in the communities in which it builds all across the Lower Mainland. We want to highlight two incredible Marcon projects. Elmwood, a 38-story tower located at Burquitlam's most important intersection, Como Lake Avenue and Clark Road. This landmark tower will feature 335 condominiums, over 37,000 square feet of office and retail space, and almost 20,000 square feet of amenity space. Elmwood has been incredibly popular with 80% sold currently, but they still have a great selection of junior one-bedroom all the way to three-bedroom homes remaining. Check out markon.ca slash Elmwood for more. And Matt, we are also excited about Sone House, Markon's newest community in West Coquitlam. With 165 homes ranging from junior one beds to three beds, Sone House offers the perfect West Coast aesthetic with a more nuanced Nordic-inspired design. Register today at markon.ca slash Sonehouse. That's S-O-E-N-H-A-U-S. Or you can learn more at markon.ca or follow them at Instagram at markonhomes. Markon, building for life. Hello? 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 This is the Vancouver Weather State Podcast. And welcome back to Vancouver Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Scalina. And I'm your other host, Matt Scalina. And Matt, a good day to you. We are now in a very busy beginning of this a spring a market. Bu- <laughs> this is a busy January. <laughs> I don't know why I say good day. I feel like I've been uh, out of sorts today. I'm, I'm playing catch up. We're well, scrambling, no, scrambling around here. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's surprisingly busy for the, as we're getting near the end of January here. Yes. Um, you, we keep talking like it's kind of mid spring market and it's not. No, uh, we're still in January. So yeah, it's busy and uh, good day to you, sir. <laughs> I I can't tell you how excited I am for today's episode with none other than um, I'm going to say Ace Mortgage Broker <laughs> Kyle Green. I've heard him referred to Ace, yeah, mortgage, Ace broker. mortgage Broker Kyle That's Green. Right. Kyle Green is uh, is a fantastic mortgage broker. He's also a real estate investor. I've learned a lot from Kyle over the years. Um, really good at strategizing. Really good at kind of getting into the minutia of lending and investments, and uh, just a great guy to chat about. Yeah, real yeah. estate with, right? Yeah, exactly. What I like most about Kyle, apart from yeah, he's a real smart guy, is he's one of the top mortgage brokers in the country, right? And he's focusing specifically on investment. So he helps homeowners with lending, and him and his team, obviously. But he's really plugged into basically a number of different investment groups in Canada, 
And, you know, stand on the shoulder of giants, uh, learn from others. Like, he, he, every time we talk to him, he brings a lot of unique, interesting strategies. And it's, it's just, he's a great guy to talk to and a really good at what he does. So it's great to have Kyle back on the show. You said you, you read an article today about real estate in, in the lower mainland or was it in Canada? It was in Vancouver this morning. It said in the first half of January, and I don't have it in front of me, but it was something like in terms of sales volume, like the fact that we feel busy is not, we're not alone. The The market in the first two weeks is, you know, the busiest first couple of weeks in a, in a very long time. And it feels that way. And it's across the province. Like guys I'm talking to in Kelowna, Victoria, like Everybody is run off their feet right now. And there's one reason for that, I think. Yeah, and that's interest rates. And that's why we have Kyle on the show. This is It's worth pointing out, right? Everybody we're talking to in our businesses, in our lives, seems to be getting pre-approved either for moving through the market, getting into the market, buying an investment property. Like everybody is looking at interest rates right now. So we have Kyle on today to talk strategies, for first-time home buyers, people trying to get into the market, for people trying to use the funds or the equity in their house, for people trying to move up through the market, right. and for investors. So we kind of cover the gamut, but we're basically looking at, hey, it's a super low interest rate environment. How can you take advantage of uh, this interest rate environment to better your life? Yeah. So Kyle breaks it down. He actually goes through different scenarios and not only what type of product and, and what type of uh, rate you should be looking for, but also how it basically unfolds, right? If you're thinking about uh, learning a little bit about interest rates and and uh, he actually breaks out the mortgage calculator, I think. But you know what? The other thing that we don't let Kyle leave without giving us his top choices for his investment right. areas, not only in the lower mainland, but he talks about right across Canada. So really, really exciting program. Matt, also, um, so many people, like probably 30 or so people have gotten touch <laughs> about your car. I'm most back. of them, most of them to just say, listen, this has happened to me before. I had rats in my, in my car before. Yeah. Um, uh, it's a very common, it's a common problem. You thought you cross. were the first. Take me off the cross. Yeah. You thought you were the first. <laughs> I got an email here. It was just sent to you. It just was sent to me because a lot of people think it was my car, which I don't have any rats in my car. <laughs> Matt's, Matt's the only occasional rat that sits in my car. Uh, here's, okay, so this is an email called Rats ICBC Claim from Jennifer. I won't say her last name, but she said, try putting zest, yes, the soap, under the hood or under the car where you park, all around it. Sounds bizarre, but it works. And then she wrote back and said, sorry, <laughs> Irish Spring. Which makes sense. Yeah. Zest, pretty good smell. Irish Spring, terrible. Too, too bad it wasn't <laughs> Dracar Noir because you could just rub your shirt all over the hood. Um, <laughs> but anyways, it's, uh, it, it, it sounds like you can I'm just- I'm a Paco Roban, <laughs> it, it sounds like you can cover the hood with uh, Irish Spring. Yeah, you know what? Nice. And it's actually, I've, I've actually had a lot of people that have uh, given me similar tips. Right. It sounds like you just have to have a real potent smell. Yeah. Cayenne Which, pepper was one. I'm surprised they picked your car in the first place, given that, <laughs> given that tidbit. Uh, cayenne pepper. Another one is the peppermint, like a, a peppermint. You have to dilute it, like a 
uh, a lotion. Right. Anyway, I've been spraying peppermint in the car. It's 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 uh it's my new thing. I have about three or four people in my life that make sure I do it at least twice a week. I hope right. this fades. Uh, but anyway, I'm back. Okay. I'm back riding in style. Okay. Well, before we get to our conversation with Kyle Green, we have a couple things we should talk about. The first is we are still offering that incentive. If you are thinking about listing your property in the spring market, we've had some people reach out. This incentive is fantastic. It's for home sellers. If you're thinking about selling your home this spring, get in touch. You as a VREP listener will get a huge incentive. And not only yourself, but friends and family as well. And in both of you, get an incentive, right? This is this is a very a very generous incentive we're offering here for the spring market. But what do you do if you're on the live wire, all you have to do is hit the link. It's every week it's going out right now. If you're not on the live wire and there's no reason you shouldn't be, head over to vancouverrealestatepodcast.com and sign up or just send an email to info at vancouverrealestatepodcast.com. The incentive is powerwalker2021. That's the code. The code. That's the, not the, the promo incentive. code. No, yeah. <laughs> the incentive's better. The, yeah, the incentive. Yeah. Promo code POWERWALKER2021. Get in touch. And uh, we'd love to see how we can help. Yeah, Matt. And we are also sponsored by Oakland Realty. That's right. Our brokerage, best brokerage in town. Phenomenal resources. If you're an aspiring agent, a new agent, somebody just looking to make a change, head over to oakland.com slash join, type in VRP2020. This may change soon, but I think you're still, it's still the old incentive and it's a good one. Let me tell you that. VRP2020 over at oakland.com slash join. And last but not least, Adam, if you're not keen to get the incentive right now, but you just want some really useful information about how to get your property ready for market, we have the Sellers Club. Yeah, Matt, the Sellers Club is the hot club in town where you get resources for selling your property for top dollar in the shortest amount of time. It is the best club out there. Just send us an email that says Sellers Club or else respond on the live wire and we will add you to this list. It's the best action plans basically out there. You and know what? Uh, anyway, they're, they're coming to you on a schedule. On a schedule written by two guys that I'd like to think know what they're talking about. Exactly. And without further ado, Matt, let's cut to our interview with Kyle Green. Enjoy. Okay, so we're here with Kyle Green, owner of the Green Mortgage Team, and of course, uh, past guest, and Matt, I'll let you say it. Uh, are you looking for fan favorite? Yes, I'm looking for fan favorite. <laughs> How you doing, Kyle? <laughs> Thanks for taking the time today. Yeah, no problem. So Kyle, um, for some of our listeners that don't know you, uh, most of them will, but uh, if they don't know you, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Absolutely. Yep. So... I've been a mortgage broker for 14 years now. Since 2008, I started carving out a niche and working primarily with real estate investors. So most of what we do here is working with investors, helping them grow real estate portfolios, do a lot of public speaking with uh, with regards to educating people on investing in real estate. And we probably won't talk about this much today, but actually real, recently started up a real estate investing consulting company um, that I'm kind of doing on the side to double down and give investors more information. But uh, yeah, it's it's been a fun ride and being a Vancouver mortgage broker has been very interesting over the last, you know, decade and a bit. Never a dull moment here, that's for sure. Nope. And Kyle, we should say you're you're a real estate investor yourself. Yep. Yep. I have uh six or seven, I think six properties right now. You have so many properties you can't even count you can't even count. Them. You had to you had to guess. 
<laughs> You're like John McCain when he ran for president there in 2008. I think he had the same problem. <laughs> so, you know, we asked you back on, Kyle, primarily because we're in this low interest rate environment. Everyone we talk to seems really excited about, about all sorts of potentials when it comes to real estate investing, but also just home ownership right now and, and equity pay down and the rest. Maybe we'll start with potential homeowners, people out there that are thinking about uh, trying to get into the market. What should potential home buyers know about the current interest rate environment? What are the key kind of points? Yeah, I mean, low interest rates obviously make uh, home ownership a lot more affordable. Um, now, one, one thing to keep in mind is that it, it doesn't make the qualifications easier to, to be able to qualify for a mortgage. And so just to, to paint a picture here, over the last couple of years, interest rates have dropped substantially and interest rates have dropped, you know, from about two years ago, um, approximately 2%. So interest rates are starting to peak in late 2018, early 2019, and, um, and we're around 4% interest. And now it's pretty much across the board, you're going to be getting a, a, an interest rate under 2%, which makes a pretty substantial difference. So that being said, in the same period of time, the qualification rate um, so that's this is the stress test interest rate that you've, uh, you've probably been you know, dealing with quite a bit. Um, that stress test interest rate had peaked uh, back about two years ago at about 5.34% and has dipped down now down to 4.79%. So although the interest rate that you, somebody is getting has halved, the qualifying rate has, uh, has only dipped down just a little bit. So it's not actually helping people qualify for the mortgages, but it definitely is helping with people being able to um, to afford it and and you know, their their personal budget. So, now, or sorry, go on. Yeah, well, I was I was just going to jump into the the amount of savings that you'd be able to see though. And it's like, a, let's say you're going to borrow five hundred thousand dollars. A two percent drop in interest rate is ten thousand dollars per year. So over a five year new mortgage term that you would be looking at, we're talking a fifty thousand dollar difference in interest over that term of the mortgage, which is pretty substantial. Wow. Okay, so basically what you're saying then is it, it hasn't necessarily gotten easier for people to borrow money, but people that are borrowing money are in a much better position then. Correct, yeah. So it definitely has not gotten any easier to qualify for mortgages. Um, during When COVID first hit, a lot of lenders actually tightened up the reins and a lot of special programs like um, self-employed programs that we would utilize quite a bit, um, financing for investors got a lot tougher for a period of time there. And most of those rules have, uh, or, um, or guidelines have come back in, but uh, a lot of lenders did tap the brakes. One challenge we're still running into a little bit is how has COVID impacted this person's um, income? And so there have been a lot of people, I've been working with a lot of pilots, for instance, who you know, are dropped down uh, to significantly less hours than they used to, uh, used to work, and that's making it harder for us to qualify those individuals and certain people um, that are self-employed in certain industries. And it's kind of interesting to, to see this, but... Certain industries have been severely impacted by COVID, like restaurant businesses, et cetera, and certain other people have, have not been affected at all or have been affected in a positive way. Like almost every, you know, quote unquote, white collar professional I talk to is busier or just as busy as they were before. So it's kind of interesting to see that split. Right. Busier or at least as busy and in most cases saving more money than they, they were a year, year and a half ago. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You know, just thinking about the different interest rates here. So we've on on 500k, we've touched uh, on how you're 
in terms of building equity, you're basically building, you know, paying down 10K more per year, right? So that's obviously 50K over a five-year term. Can you talk about costs? Like, does this impact costs on a month-to-month, like in terms of just, you know, your payment schedule? Oh, absolutely, yeah. So just to give you an idea, uh, per $100,000 basis, if you're borrowing 100 grand, if you're borrowing $100,000, um, on a 30-year amortization at 4% interest, your payments would be about 475 per month. If you're borrowing the same amount, so 100 grand on a 30-year amortization, but now at a rate of 2%, your payments are down uh, down to 370. So per per 100 grand you borrow, um, your payments are just a little over $100 less per month. So a $500,000 mortgage, you're looking at about $500 less per month than than you would have been paying earlier. That, so, so there's the double kind of component here, right? You're paying so, so significantly less in terms of monthly costs, and uh, significantly more in terms of how much of that goes to to principal. Exactly. Yeah. So, interestingly, on a uh, even on a 30 year amortization, your very first payment is about 50 percent interest, 50 percent principal. And the number of times that I have a conversation with a customer who is thinking, oh, I'm going to get into a mortgage, I'm going to be stuck with this debt forever, and I'm going to be paying mostly interest. And the reality is, with low interest rates right now, you're paying a significant amount towards the principal right on day one. And most people don't um, don't realize there's a big difference. So to paint a picture, when I bought my first place back in 2007, uh, this is interesting to go back in, the, uh, back in time here, but I did it with zero down, 40-year amortization, and my rate was just around 6% interest. My very first payment was 9% principal and 91% interest. If I was to borrow that, you know, borrow money now on a 25-year amortization with interest rates that are as, as low as they are today, you're paying like 60% principal on your very first payment. And my payments would be lower even though they're on a 25-year amortization instead of a 40-year amortization. So I'm paying it back faster. And on top of that, more of it is going towards the principal. So, yeah, it's kind of an interesting um, interesting time. And I think that interest rates uh, obviously have an impact on the markets. You guys would know this better than I would, but, I mean, markets have been going gangbusters the last uh, the last seven or eight months once people realized, you know, how COVID is impacting this world we live in. But uh, interest rates are a very large part of that. Yeah, no, it's it's busy out there. It seems like everybody's talking about uh, getting pre-qualified for, for for some type of purchase right now. You know, just thinking I, I, about people that are potentially looking to get into the market right now, I I have a feeling somebody out there is thinking, okay, well, yeah, we're getting call it two percent interest rate. Yeah, that looks great today. But what happens five years from now with interest rates going up? Can you talk about what? Five years down the line looks like if interest rates are higher for some of these folks that are that are getting in now and and what are some of the potential risks? Yeah, for sure. So this is actually one of the um, the good things that the government has done, and um, and this comes back to that stress test that we talked about. How although the interest rates have dropped substantially, it has not increased borrowers' um, borrowing power. And the reason for that is that they're using still this 4.79% interest rate. And so in my opinion, I don't believe that interest rates will be as high as 4.79% in five years. But you have to qualify as if your payments as of now are, are based off of 4.79. And so 
you're only really qualifying for debt that um, that is you know is visualized as being an amount that you could be able to qualify for if interest rates start to skyrocket over the next five years. I still think that interest rates won't be that high. I think that we're going to see interest rates stay flat for a couple of years and then start to increase. And maybe we're up to 4% in five years, maybe. Um, so not quite what you initially qualified at. Um, but what you'd want to make sure is we always look at making sure that somebody is only borrowing the amount that they can qualify for, either based off of their budget or their maximum borrowing power, whichever is lower. And sometimes you have to look at, well, what is my personal budget? Because the banks don't see how much money you spend in Yale Town at the bars, right? And obviously, it's a lot less than you may have in the past because of COVID. But the banks don't really see what your spending habits are. So you always have to look at your lowest common denominator, which is your budget or your borrowing power. If interest rates do start to rise, we always try to look at making sure that we understand what your payments are going to look like in the future if interest rates start to climb, especially if a client is taking a variable rate, right? So we build in some uh, some cushion and say, well, inter if interest rates rise by 1%, then this would be your new payment. And if interest rates rise by 2%, then this would be your new payment. Make sure that's affordable for you. So just think if we can play out a scenario here, say in the current interest rate environment, somebody takes on a mortgage, a fixed five-year mortgage, and their payments are $2,000 a month, right? For the next five years at the, and interest rates. So let's call it 2% and interest rates go up to 4%. At the end of that term, when they're refinancing or not refinancing, renewing, I guess, but the but the interest rate's 4%. Can you talk a little bit about what they can expect in terms of payments or how it changes yep. their payments? Yep, for sure. So when we were running some numbers earlier, if we're going from uh, a drop from 475 down to about 370 per month, that's a decrease of just a little under 20% of the payment, which means that if your payments are two grand a month, you could expect them to to rise by 20 or 25%, but right up to about 24 to $2,500 per month on a $2,000 a month payment. So in other words, if it's a 30-year AM, you you pay your $2,000 a month for the first five years. At the end, it says, okay, you have 25 years left on this term, and then your payments are going to go up, but you're still on the 25-year schedule, if I understand correctly. Correct, yep. And there is that um, option if you really need to, to redo your mortgage and re-amortize it over 30 years again, and again, reduce those payments. And so um, at least if you extend the amortization at the same time that the interest rate is rising, the amortization ex extension will offset the higher, in, um, higher interest rate. So at least you won't feel it as much. But again, we don't advise clients to do that unless there's a good reason to do that. Number one, a, a financial situation where you really need that lower payment or number two, if it's an investment property, for instance, that mortgage is tax deductible. And so there's less of an incentive to pay it off faster, which means we're typically recommending 30-year amortizations for our real estate investors, for instance. Right. And and yeah, we should we should get to that for sure. One more question for you here. Hypothetically, the same person, $2,000 a month, five-year fixed, but they're able to put lump sums down or bump up their payment. And with interest rates so low, they're really excited about kind of ramping up and, and building as much equity over the next five years. I've had this question uh, a couple times over the last couple months. In that situation, how does that impact your payments at the end of the term? Say you're, does it just impact your amortization schedule? Like instead of 25 years, you're now down to 22 years, but you're going to pay that increased amount if interest rates go up? Or, or how does that impact 
making lump yep. sum payments. Yeah, making right? lump sum payments. Yeah, so the, the default when you're making lump sum payments is that your amortization will be the one that shrinks, not your payments. So in general, you're now paying off your mortgage on a more aggressive schedule. Um, which, uh, which is of course going to result in less interest being, uh, being paid over the long period of time. So, um, if you wanted your payments to be reduced, then what you would do is when your renewal came up and you're like, oh, geez, I really can't afford these payments because my interest rate has gone up, then you would probably look at re-amortizing it. And of course, if you're, if you've been making extra lump sums and have been reducing your amortization, you'll see a bigger reduction in payments. If instead of renewing and you're now on a 25-year amortization schedule, maybe you've been making so many extra payments that you've been, uh, you're now on a 15-year schedule because of those extra principal payments. If you went from 15 years to 30 years, you'd see a pretty significant, uh, significant difference in your in your payments. Whereas if you just went from you know 30, paid it down, and five years uh, you came up for renewal and went from 25 years and tried to extend it back out, you wouldn't really see much of a an impact there. So, so in that case, if I understand correctly, the lump sums are a benefit in terms of managing risk because you can easily just push out uh, the amortization again and you're, and you're going to have those, those payments are not going to balloon if interest rates go up, correct? Correct, yeah. So Kyle, in, in thinking about um, somebody out there who's potentially renting right now, what, what's, I'm sure you, get conver- you have conversations with tenants all the time what are some things that tenants should be thinking about right now in this interest rate environment? Yeah, um, here's the high level view of it. So in general, it's usually more expensive monthly payment wise to own than it is to rent in most cases. Now, if you factor in though, the fact that now you're going to have a mortgage that you're paying down per month and also appreciation on the value of the asset over time, uh, it's it's actually pretty pretty interesting when you run, run numbers and take a look at what your future net worth would be if you own that same place you're renting versus the place that you, you just continue to rent where you're at right now. So actually, um, I'm an Excel spreadsheet nerd, and as you guys probably know, um, I built a rent versus own spreadsheet, and a lot of our first-time homebuyers are kind of on the fence whether they should buy their own home or not. We say, look, compare apples to apples, so don't don't say, okay, I'm renting a place that's worth 300 grand, but I want to go buy a house for a million dollars. Which one makes more sense? Because that's not apples to apples, right? You got to compare the same type of living situation as you currently have right now. But in, in most cases, when you run the numbers, although the cost of ownership per month is higher, if you factor out the principal reduction on your mortgage payments, it often is actually cheaper, meaning that the principal pay down is like, like a forced savings account. So if you're paying two grand a month in rent, Maybe your total mortgage and ownership costs might be $2,500 a month, but maybe out of that $2,500, you're paying down $1,000 a month on your mortgage. So the amount that you're flushing down the toilet and wasting, which if you're renting would be your entire rent check of two grand a month, where if you're owner, in ownership and you take out that principal reduction, which is basically you paying yourself, you're flushing $1,500 down the drain per month. So it's actually net cost of ownership is in many cases cheaper than, um, than renting. But not to mention, there's also the capital appreciation of having that uh, that home over time uh, rise in value. Right. In thinking about current homeowners right now, so people that own their property, what should homeowners be considering right now in this rate environment? Yeah, um, qu- quite a few things. I mean, one of the things that you might find is you may be able to save money by refinancing your mortgage. 
there were certain periods of time where if you catch the numbers on the swing really, really well, and we, we actually called a number of our clients back in, um, back in March when things started to go really haywire and found that we were saving a lot of clients a lot of money by, by acting swiftly during a, a major, uh, major swing in interest rates. But if you time it right, or if you got your mortgage at the right time or with the right lender, et cetera, you might find that you can save some money by refinancing. It does really depend on which lender you're with and what term you're in. Um, we do find that if you're with a major bank and you took a five-year fixed rate, most of those people are not going to save um, save money over the remainder of the term. So if you have two years left, your penalty would exceed the savings you would get by getting a new mortgage over the remaining two years, in most cases. So in in those situations, sometimes it still makes sense to redo the mortgage and take a new five-year fixed at an all-time low because then instead of coming up for renewal in two years, you now have a new really low rate for a full five-year period. That gives you some comfort of, you know, what we were talking about earlier, which is what's the, what about the concern of interest rates rising? Well, now you've kind of covered yourself off for the next five years and you're, you're good. There are some periods of time. And, and for the most part, I found that clients that took a five-year fixed rate in late 2018 or early 2019 are the most likely to save money, even if they're with a major bank. And so if any of the listeners today uh, took a five-year fixed rate and closed on their mortgage in that time frame, um, it may be worth looking into the numbers on that. And just to be clear, Kyle, someone like yourself can help, you know, John and Jane who walked into an RBC downtown and, and uh, locked in for five years and they're, they're wondering about their opportunities, you know, halfway through. They can come talk to a mortgage specialist like yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. With If you have your most recent mortgage statement, it only takes us about five minutes or less to do some quick math and see if it, if it makes sense. And guess what, guys? I've got a spreadsheet for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What about um, the other thing I wanted to ask you about, Kyle, is because two things. And, and actually, it's funny because I've actually talked to some people, even with some pretty substantial penalties for five-year fixed at major banks that were able to refinance and, and still save a, like a surprising amount of money. Um, what about the option of blend and extend that some institutions offer? Yep. Um, sometimes the blend and extend can make sense. I do find that the way that the, the blend and extend works, sometimes it's not in the client's favor. Sorry, Kyle, can we just ex- first explain what blend and extend is to everyone? Yeah, for sure. So um, a blend and extend means that let's say that you have two years left in your mortgage the lender will blend the two rates together. So they'll blend your current rate and the current market rates together, and they'll give you a new five-year term. So they're extending your term out to the five years. So that's why they call it blend, because they're blending the weighted average of the interest rates together, and then they're extending you out to a five-year term. We've actually found, for whatever reason, a lot of lenders that were doing blend and extend actually stopped doing blend and extends a little while ago. And now they're saying, no, we won't blend and extend, but the client can either break the mortgage completely and pay the penalty, or um, we'll add on a new portion onto their mortgage at a, at a, uh, at a new interest rate. So some, some lenders stopped doing that. And one of the reasons for that, I, I believe, is that a lot of clients were doing this, and then there's a possibility after blending and extending you might actually see your penalty significantly drop. So there's actually a little bit of a loophole with some lenders where penalties went from 20 grand to five grand as soon as a client blended and extended and it would break and leave that bank that they just utilized the blend and extend with, which is kind of interesting. We're, so, we're going to need of the names, <laughs> names of the institutions, Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> Call me. <Yeah. laughs> 
Okay, so clearly if you're a homeowner, then the big takeaway here is you should probably figure out what your current rate is, look at what rates are today, and then understand what your penalty is. And that typically just involves either a call to you, Kyle, or a, a call to your, your major bank to find out what your penalty would be if you were to break the mortgage. But we are, and I'm sure you are as well, seeing substantial savings for a lot of people that are refinancing. Yep, definitely. I, I've, I've had a number of clients saving five digits, you know, 10 grand plus to refinance. And if it takes you five minutes to just explore that and see where you stand, it's definitely worth the time. Right. I was going to say, at the very least, anyone uh, in, a, in a fixed term right now should be uh, should be reevaluating and potentially staying put. But that five minutes is, is potentially very valuable. Yep. And Kyle, so okay, we've talked a little bit about uh, potential home buyers. We've talked about homeowners. How about real estate investors? Can you talk about what you would be thinking? considering right now if you're a real estate investor in this in this climate? Definitely, yeah. So one of the things that I often um, talk about is how you make money in real estate. And so in general, you make money in three ways when you're, when you're buying a, a cash flow property. So you make money from cash flow, mortgage pay down, and appreciation. This is cool when you start to break down what the returns on investment are. So in general, if you put 20% down on a piece of real estate, especially if you're buying in, let's say, you know, the lower mainland, Vancouver, et cetera, it's quite difficult with 20% down to find something that cash flow is extremely positive. So usually most properties, especially in the lower mainland, they're about cash flow neutral or slightly positive if maybe you get a little bit further out into the, uh, into the suburbs. So usually a return on investment from cash flow is only about 0% to 4%. So not a significant return on your investment from the cash flow itself. Where you typically make most of your money is, is the mortgage pay down and the appreciation. So the appreciation part is really key here. And one of the most important keys about real estate ownership is the leverage aspect. So let's give you an example. If you bought a property for $500,000 and you put $100,000 down, so 20% down, if the property value went up by 1%, so it went up from $500,000 to, to $505,000, you have to remember that your return on investment is based not on the asset value, but based on the cash you put into the deal. If you put $100,000 down and into the deal, and the value went from 500 to 505, you've made $5,000 on your $100,000 investment. So even though the property value went up by 1%, your return on investment is actually 5%. And the reason for that is that you leveraged your, your equity by five times. So it's really cool because if you start to factor in like a typical appreciation amount, and usually for my models, I use about 3% annual appreciation. That means that over a long period of time, you could expect about a 15% return on investment from appreciation. So we have the appreciation, is, which is an average of 15% return on investment per year, cash flow between 0 to 4% per year. And here's the one that people always forget about is the mortgage pay down. And so just looking at this, if you're looking at a $400,000 mortgage and how much of that is going towards interest and how much is going towards principal, the typical uh, mortgage, and it's again a little bit lower than this because we, we ran some numbers, but typically per hundred grand, it costs you about $400 a month on your mortgage payment. And right now, about half of that payment is going towards your principal. So $400 per month per hundred grand, your mortgage payments might be $1,600 a month. You're paying down about $800 a month on average per month on the principal. Uh, you're paying down about $9,600 per year on your mortgage. If you pay down $9,600 per year on your mortgage and your investment was hundred grand, 
that's a 9.6% return on your money per year. So you're getting nearly a 10% return on your money just from having your tenant pay down your mortgage for you. So even if you bought something with no cash flow, so the tenant just covered your expenses for you, and you had no appreciation, which in this market is would be kind of a, it's silly to assume for a long period of time anyways, you're getting about a 10% return on your money just from having the tenant pay down your mortgage for you. And the question I often ask the uh, an audience when I present this in front of a, a crowd is, you know, I ask the crowd, how many people are getting 10% in their stock portfolio consistently every single year? And it's always two two guys out of the you know out of a hundred. So usually one out of every fifty people puts up their hand. I'm like, okay, cool, good for you. Look around the room. There's forty nine people per per fifty that aren't. Right? I bet I bet they want to tell you what they what they've done too. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. Cryptocurrency. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you add these three things up, you know, fifteen percent from the appreciation, ten percent from mortgage pay down, and then zero to four percent from cash flow. It, it seems silly. And if I just told you, yeah, buy real estate, you're going to get a 25 to 30% return on your money per year. You think this guy's nuts, right? But if you add that all up with the logical reasoning to back it all up, it's actually very reasonable to see very good returns in, in uh, real estate ownership. And this is why so many uh, people that I work with are looking at investing and buying more real estate. Absolutely. Um, so Kyle, a couple other things we want to talk about. One is uh, the ongoing debate. I don't know if these low rates have changed uh, your thinking on it, um, but we've asked you this before. Fixed versus variable, what are your thoughts right now? Yeah, it's an interesting one. You would expect that because the fixed rates and or just rates in general have dropped and you'd expect, okay, these are now the lowest rates that we're going to see for a period of time, you would think that now would be a great time to go into a fixed rate. The tough part about this, and my recommendation, especially during COVID, was go variable because if you went variable, you could ride the wave down. And and this is exactly what happened back in the subprime crisis of, of 2008 is the world started going crazy. Interest rates were going to plummet. We put a lot of our clients into variable rates. And now that rates have slid down, now our clients can lock into a fixed rate at any point in time. And so they paid a penalty on a smaller spread between their rate and the current market rates. So they paid a small penalty and then they rode the wave down. And now when they lock in, their spread between their original rate and their new current rate is very large. And so their savings is quite substantial. Um, now, however, rates have started to flatten out a little bit and there's not, not as much movement on them. And I don't expect a lot more downward movement with fixed rates, nor do I expect for the next at least 12 to 24 months, not a lot of upward movement with fixed rates. For variable rates, it looks like three years, probably three and a half years, approximately. So based on this information, you'd expect, okay, well, if rates aren't likely to go any lower and a variable rate and a fixed rate right now are priced about the same, then why would you go with the variable rate, which has some room to go up, as opposed to the fixed rate, which isn't going to move for five years? One thing that we're looking at right now is we're running the estimated penalties on what the cost would be to break your current mortgage if you took a fixed rate, especially with a major bank. And this is a big shocker. Almost every single analysis or, or um, numbers that we run on this, if you were to take a five-year fixed rate at the bank today and go to break this mortgage in two or three years, and rates don't haven't changed, or they're still, still flat, the estimated penalty cost would be between five to 10 times more expensive than if you went with a variable rate mortgage. So a variable rate mortgage penalty is capped at three months interest. But if you're in a fixed rate mortgage, it's what's called an IRD or interest rate differential penalty. 
And it's effectively the difference between your rate and current market rates for the same term remaining. The problem is the way they calculate that same that, that rate for the same term remaining is manipulated heavily by the posted rates versus the, the rate that you got. So I'll try and explain this as easily and quickly as possible. When they go to calculate your penalty, what they're going to do is they're going to say, okay, when you took your five-year fixed rate, you got a rate of, let's say, 1.79. So when, uh, when you took that rate, our posted rate was 4.79. So you got a discount off of our posted rate of 3%. Then they go to say, okay, now you're breaking your mortgage. And so we're fast forwarding two years now. They'll look at, okay, our, our three-year posted rate is now you know, 3.5%. We're going to take that discount we gave you initially when you got that five-year rate. We're going to take 3% off of that number. And so the rate we're going to use to calculate your penalty will be the difference between your rate of 1.79 and 0.5%, which is not a rate they're giving to a new customer for a three-year term, but yet that's the rate they use to calculate your penalty. So long story short, and this is why I was mentioning that there's, there's a time period here where client penalties were smaller, and that's because the spread between the posted rates and the discounted rates, that, that discount banks were giving to people was actually quite small. And so the rate that the uh, banks are using to calculate your penalties aren't as drastically low. Um, but moving forward, because the discounts are so steep, it's going to create very large penalties for people when they go to break their five-year fixed-rate mortgage. And, you know, we're talking some clients, I ran some numbers um, just the other day that their penalty, if they were in a variable rate, would be about $7,000. And if they were in a, a fixed-rate mortgage, it would be somewhere close to $60,000, which is insane. Wow. Oh. So I've got two more Questions I'd like to ask, Kyle. I don't know about you, Matt. I have but, at uh, least one. At least one. Okay. <laughs> well, I, I kind of want to get into Kyle because I we we know you as a very successful broker in the Lower Mainland, but we also know you as an avid real estate investor. So I would love to know kind of which Canadian markets you're currently excited about for investors. And then I think it's also uh, worth, and your clients, right? Because yeah. you work with a ton of sophisticated investing clients. Exactly. Yeah. And then maybe we can uh, also talk a little bit about predictions uh, for interest rates moving forward. But let's start with uh, markets that you're excited about. Yeah, for sure. Um, there's a few different markets that I'm excited about. Um, number one, if you're looking for in the lower mainland, if you're looking for detached that cash flows that has the upside of appreciation, um, one of the hottest spots for a lot of our clients right now is Mission and Chilliwack. Yes, people are starting to go a little further east. And uh, what investors are finding is if you buy a, a, a house with one to two basement suites in it, so a total of about two or three units, those properties can cash flow quite well. And I always like the idea of owning land. Land appreciates and buildings depreciate. So if you own a detached house, um, that's where you're going to see in, in general over time, you'd expect more appreciation on that than a condo or townhouse where you're owning mostly building and, and less land. Um, so if you're looking in the lower mainland, that seems to be a, a hot spot for a lot of our investor clients. I think that in the next three to 12 months, and that's kind of a wide range, but I think there might be some good buys, particularly with downtown condos. Um, if prices soften a little bit, then I would be interested in picking up a downtown condo because there hasn't been a lot of demand. And you guys are probably seeing this a lot too, where a lot of clients are selling and getting out of downtown and moving further east because they need more space because now they're working from home and it's too difficult to work from home with two kids running around in their condo in Vancouver and they need two offices, et cetera. 
So I, I do think, however, um, that when COVID is, is less of a factor and when migration is, is opening up the doors again, if you're a new immigrant to Canada, you're more likely to move to a major urban center than you are to move out to a rural area. So you're going to find, I think, that there'll be more demand for downtown condos again in the next little while. So I, I'm not sure if I like the timing right now. I'd like to see if maybe there's a bit more weakness in the downtown condo market. But if prices do drop a bit, that's an area that I'm going to be keeping my, uh, my eyes and ears open for. I do like uh, areas of the island. Vancouver Island is, is seeing a lot of people move over there, um, especially people in healthcare. If you're a nurse, you can make the same income by moving over there. And there's quite a few new hospitals uh, that have opened up uh, over on the island. You'd be seeing the same level of income, and yet your expenses have dropped substantially. So I do like the island. I think that the island is, uh, is ripe for increases in value, especially areas like Souk. I'm, I'm noticing that the cash flow and um, the growth in areas like Souk are, are quite strong. Prince George is another area that I have my eyes and ears open. I have a lot of investors buying in Prince George right now. Um, Kamloops to a lesser extent, but Kamloops is an area I'm, I'm keeping well, my eyes you know, open. Sorry, sorry, Kyle, I'm just curious. What's the play in Prince George? I think that the reason for that is that um, it's it's basically the capital of northern BC. I mean, if right. you look at a map, it's not really that north, right? But it is the capital of, of northern BC, and... COVID hasn't really impacted that market a whole lot. Uh, there's the university up there. There's uh, LNG is kind of funneling through there. And so it is a, a bit of a hub for a lot of the LNG activity that's happening in northern BC, where a lot of the mm-hmm. workers are coming from that uh, from that market. Um, but I'm hearing some, like I was talking to a client who's looking at building a, um, a five-story or six-story uh, apartment building up there. And he's looking at this and realizing that some of the two-bedroom rents for new new builds up there are going for two grand a month, which is crazy considering what you could buy those for. Yeah. So it, it is interesting, especially if you're buying newer product up there. There's going to be a lot of people making six figures that are looking for a newer place. And a lot of the product that's built up there was like in the 70s and the 80s, a little bit outdated. So I think buying new in that market could be a, a good play. Well, and it's interesting because uh, just in terms of two of the markets, and then I'll let you continue, but uh, yeah, we've talked a lot about downtown. Uh, Brandon Augmanson, the chief economist for the for the BC REA, was on recently, and his favorite spot in terms of appreciation this year was was northern BC. So yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense that you're seeing people uh, moving their money up there. Yeah, I'm seeing a lot of that, low, low vacancy, et cetera. I do like a couple of markets for the vacation rental stuff. I think that that will that uh, will be a very strong market moving forward. The Airbnb stuff is becoming more and more prevalent, um, and so I think areas like Kelowna, Penticton, um, areas of Vancouver Island like Tofino and Euclid, et cetera, I think that those will be strong moving forward too. But it is different. Um, I myself and my fiance actually own a uh, Airbnb in in Langley of all places. But I wouldn't do it if it wasn't for my fiance taking that on herself and, and running it. It is really like running a business. You are in the hospitality business, whether you want to believe it or not. It happens to be real estate backed, but you are in the hospitality business. And so you have to be really on it and make sure you set up systems and processes to run it like a business. So for those that are interested in Airbnbs, there's a lot of things to learn about it. But um, but I think that the if you run it right, that an Airbnb can be a very successful venture for a real estate investor. Going to the other provinces, I'm a little wary right now of Alberta and uh, and the prairies in general. I'm a little bit concerned with what's going on, especially with oil prices and how heavy and how how reliant a lot of those um, those uh, those provinces are on natural resources. 
you're seeing huge, huge in increases to prices in a lot of the suburbs in Ontario. I'm not surprised. It's basically the same as the Vancouver effect where a lot of people are moving out of Toronto and moving into the suburbs. And I think that will continue for a while. But to, for me to be able to specifically, you know, nail out a specific town there, I'm not, um, I'm not seeing like a specific area where everybody's buying. It's kind of just all over the map a little bit in the Ontario area. And if you're looking for cash flow, some areas of, uh, of the Maritimes, like New Brunswick in particular, um, I've seen a lot of properties that have really good cash flow there. I'm still not sold on capital appreciation. Like the, the way that, uh, that um, people look at the Maritimes and just the, the type of people that live there are not as you know, aggressive with like, economic growth, et cetera. And so I'm not so sure if you're going to see a lot of capital appreciation. But if you're looking for cash flow, um, that could be a really good market to, uh, to be taking a look at too, especially multifamily in New Brunswick. You know, I, I have a question for you here before we get to predictions on, on rates. You know, you've started a consulting business in 20, it was in 2020, right? I remember looking at that. It looks really, really interesting. You work with people across Canada. You're, you and your team are, you're one of the largest teams in the country, specifically looking at uh, working with investors, although obviously you guys work with homeowners as well. Um, do you have one or more than one kind of exciting strategy that's locked behind your consulting business that everyone's talking about or your clients are using right now? Kind of one hot tip? Hmm. Yeah, I mean, one? <laughs> so take one? <laughs> I'll, t- I'll take as many as you're willing to give us. Yeah, okay. This is applicable to the most people. So, I, I mean, I really have two. And one of them is more to, to revolve around, like, buying commercial real estate and whatnot. But it's a bit more of a complex and I don't think it would apply to as many of the listeners here today. So I'm going to pick one that's going to be applicable to the larger majority of the audience today. And I want to talk about taxes. So, you know, you, you guys have had me on here before for the, uh, for the Smith Maneuver, and I want, to, I want to rehash that and go through that again because it's Excellent. really important and relevant. But one of the easiest ways to build your wealth in real estate is to make sure that you're tax efficient. And so we were talking earlier about making lump sums on your mortgage, for instance. And that's a great strategy. And in fact, what we often recommend to our investors who are just wanting to get started is the very first step is to set up what's called a re-advanceable mortgage on your residence. And so you've also heard the term HELOC or home equity line of credit. Effectively, what that means is that as you paid on your mortgage principal, your line of credit limit will automatically increase. The reason you want this structure is because it solves a couple of, of challenges and problems. Number one is... If you're trying to figure out, okay, what do I do? Do I pay down my mortgage or do I save my money? Effectively, by paying down your mortgage, you're paying down the principal, which then opens up more room that you can automatically, without requalifying, reborrow against your home equity. Um, you're actually achieving both goals at the same time. You're paying down your mortgage and you're saving for investing. And then what you do is you borrow against that line of credit, and that's your down payment to borrow for an investment property purchase. Or if you want to do stock investing, that works too. But the key is whenever you borrow money to invest, the interest portion of the payments is tax deductible. And I'll add in the talk to your accountant disclaimer here because you always need to talk to your accountant and make sure that what you're doing is going to work. But whenever you're borrowing money to invest, the interest portion of the payments is tax deductible. So you pay down your personal mortgage and you start to to re-borrow that money back out and buy in investments. And then you take the positive cash flow from your investments and pay down your personal mortgage to make more lump sums, which opens up more equity available to you on your line of credit. And you keep cycling that through. And it's a bit of a snowball effect, which is really cool to see. 
There's also some higher level strategies that we talk about inside of our consulting company, like what's called cash damming, which means you actually take the rent from your rental properties to lump sum on your, on your personal non-tax deductible mortgage. And then you put the mortgage payments on that line of credit. And it basically accelerates that snowball effect even further where you're paying down your non-tax deductible personal mortgage faster and opening up more room to do more borrowing, to do more investing uh, on the tax deductible side and converting your personal residence from non-tax deductible to tax deductible. Fascinating. And I guess that's, uh, it, it, you'd have to technically own the properties personally. I would, I would not, not in a hold co or another vehicle. Correct. For yeah. that second. Okay, Kyle. So last but not least, I know we, we've taken a lot of your time up here and that you got to go, but just quickly, what do you think interest rates are going to do here in the next uh, maybe one, three, five years? Yeah. So fixed rates, I expect them to stay low for between 12 to 24 months, most likely. What's happening is, is fixed rates are tied to bonds and the government is actually actively buying back their own bonds, which effectively is pushing the yields down. And so I don't see that trend changing for the next little while. So I think fixed rates will stay low for 12 to 24 months. And then we'll start, start, to, uh, start to increase. I wouldn't expect a lot more than about a half a percent increase per year. And so if we're sitting at around 2% now, maybe by the end of year three, we're at two and a half. Year four, we're at three. And year five, we're maybe at three and a half. That would be kind of a general expectation on, on my end. Uh, on the variable rate side, it looks like the Bank of Canada is unlikely to be moving the interest rate until 2023 or 2024. And so we still have, you know, about three, possibly even four years of enjoying a very, very low interest rate if you're sticking with the with the variable rate. So one of our strategies actually is um, is with a lot of our clients, and this is going back to the question you asked earlier about should you go variable or fixed. Uh, one of our, a lot of our clients are actually going variable now and they're going to ride out the variable rate for about one or two years. And then when it looks like fixed rates are going to start to climb, then they're going to lock in their, their variable into a fixed rate because lenders will allow you to lock into a fixed rate at no cost at any point in time during the course of the mortgage. What this effectively does is instead of taking a five-year fix today, you take the five-year fix in a year or two and that effectively buys you a sub 2% interest rate for six or seven years instead of just five. Um, and it gives you a little bit more flexibility in between two in case you decide to sell the property and you don't have a massive penalty. But for those that are feeling like they really want a five-year fixed rate or just want that security, um, some of our clients that want a fixed rate are actually still going variable to just ride it up for a year or two and then are going to lock it in and ride out a, a low sub 2% rate for a full seven years. Yeah, that's a great strategy yeah. for sure. Um, so Kyle, how can people find out more about, about what you're up to and then also about uh, Green Mortgage Team? Uh, website is is great. We've got a ton of information about you know buying your first home, uh, investing in real estate, etc. All on our website, which is www.greenmortgageteam.ca. Um, tons of information, blogs, uh, all that stuff on on there. And uh, if, so, if you want to learn more, go check us out. Um, we also have uh, more information about refinancing. You can enter in some information into our website there, and uh, within about 24 hours, we get back to you with an estimation of what your penalty versus your savings would be to break your mortgage. And so. Yeah, there's tons of information on our website. Right on. Well, as right on. as always, Kyle, thanks so much for your time. That was a great conversation. And uh, yeah, I think everybody's going to take something away from that. Yeah, awesome, guys. Thanks for having me.
So there you have it, folks, our discussion with Ace Mortgage Broker, Kyle Green. I think, I'm not sure you can say Ace Mortgage Broker in, just at all anymore. I, no, I think that's, I feel been, like, that's been TM'd. Uh, uh, he's definitely a top mortgage broker. He though. is. He's one, of, he's one of the best. Great having Kyle back on the show. He's a great investor and a great businessman and also a great friend of the show. So that's right. excited to have him back. Uh, what else do we got before we cut for today? Well, uh, before we cut for the day, we have VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. This yes. is our website where all things real estate live. We have a couple things to talk about here. One is a live wire. This is our weekly mailer. There's no reason you shouldn't be on this mailer. This is where you get stats before anyone else, stats that not everyone has, that's for sure. Submarkets, price bands, you get it the minute we get them. Yeah. We yeah, also, have- I, well, well, sorry, just one second, because I also want to just add to that, that uh, I'm going to be sending out that photo of my brother-in-law and Sly Stallone, because no one believes that Sly Stallone <laughs> oh, yeah. is like four foot oh, six. Oh, we'll put it on the live yeah, wire. It's going to be good. on the live wire. That's coming out. So if that's not a reason to sign up, I can't think of anything. Why you, why you, you said he was me. five or six. I, I, I was thinking back. I think he's probably more like seven No, or Stallone eight. was 40, actually. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Darren was five or six. He might be seven or eight. But yeah, very, uh, very great photo. That's going to be hitting the live wire soon. <laughs> That's right. So we got the live wire deal of the month as well. The last deal of the month uh, was a house in East Van. There have been some sales in East Van lately that, I mean. Just the lot value is just the, insane. It is. It is. Uh, we're Getting into kind of peak. Is everybody just watch? Sure. Is, is everybody just watching the detached market and just scratching their heads? Because I, I honestly, I can't even believe some of the sales that have happened in the detached market right across the lower mainland. So I'm sure there's a lot of realtors out there listening and people in the industry that are just flabbergasted by some of these sales. Just when you think this market can't go any higher, uh, it exceeds your expectations. That's right. And if you're not in the industry and you want to follow along, of course, we have private client services. Yeah, Matt, if you are not using PCS, you are standing still while the rest of us power walk by. You get sold prices, days on market. You get realtor-level information. This is really the best way to monitor the markets. I have searches set up for every sub-market that I follow, and I love it because when, when an alert comes in, I know that there's something that has changed on this tool. So there's either been a price change, a sold price that's been added, or a new listing. Something has happened that has triggered this alert. And so I always check it out. And it's the best way to keep on track. Like, what are you, what are you going to yeah. do? Are you going to go to you're, REW and just I was get say, refresh? Listen, you're too busy to monitor this yourself. Yes. All right? <laughs> Look, that's there's a, a, there's a tool for that. Yeah. So head over to VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com and sign up there. And last but not least, we got to plug one more time, the spring incentive this is an incentive for people looking to sell their house with Scalina Real Estate. And that promo code, once again, is POWERWALKER2021. Get in touch. You can call me at any time, 778-847-2854 or matt at vancouverrealestatepodcast.com. Or you can try me at 778-866-4574 or adam at vancouverrealestatepodcast.com. We also got that secret line, info at vancouverrealestatepodcast.com. You know, secret would be useful if you want to put Old Spice on your uh, the hood of your car. <laughs> That's right. Have a good week, guys. Take care. Two thousand faces for radio. Subscribe today.
Hey everyone, pardon the interruption. We just want to take a quick minute to thank the following sponsors who make this show possible. We want to take a minute to tell you about Holy House, a nonprofit organization that provides community building programs and tenant support services to low-income seniors, veterans, families, and vulnerable residents in the downtown east side and across the lower mainland. Melissa from our team has been volunteering at Holy House. Melissa, what's been your experience? Honestly, it's been so fulfilling just to spend a few hours a week in the community and watch how the staff really transforms these vulnerable communities from the inside out, starting with just small things, right? Playing games, drinking coffee, having some simple conversations that you wouldn't necessarily think are super fulfilling. And you come out just feeling like you've really made an impact and connected with the community. And you've been to multiple buildings, but you're playing games, drinking coffee. Yeah. You know, serving food sometimes. And you made some friends along the way. I've made some friends along the way. It's really helped me be more present, actually, in those moments of just, you know, realizing how simple life can be to make an impact, right? Fantastic. And if you want to learn more, you can definitely check out Jenny Conkin, co-founder of Holy House, who is a past guest fan favorite on the show, or head over to holyhouse.ca where you can donate or volunteer. And they're looking for both donations and they definitely like volunteers. That's holyhouse.ca. Vancouver needs your help. Be part of the solution. We are also sponsored by Oakland Realty. This is our real estate brokerage, best brokerage in the city, hands down. If you are in the industry, a new agent, an aspiring agent, somebody just looking to make a change, new culture, new energy, new resources, head over to oakland.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. That's oakland.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. Not only do you get to meet Michael Morgan and the gang, the big wigs over at Oakland, you get a huge incentive for first going to oakland.com slash join, typing in VRP 2020.